What's going on everybody? 360 Digital Closing Bell here. Episode number 45 on this gorgeous, but not normally, Tuesday, September 8th, 2020. I am your humble correspondent, Michael Tanner, joined as always by the executive producer of the show, the purveyor of the show, and the director and publisher of the world's greatest website, oilandgas360.com, Stuart Turley. Stu, how you doing this morning? It's a beautiful day in the neighborhood. We got a busy week. We do have a really busy week. How was Happy Labor Day? First off, to everybody who's tuning in the show, Stu, did you have a good Labor Day? Uh, I sure did. Uh, my kids came in and had a great uh, time not working for one of the rare times. And I know it was odd. I couldn't get a hold of you. Um, did you end up doing that interview yesterday? By the way, I've been meaning to ask you. Did you sneak in a, a Labor Day work interview? I did, as a matter of fact, and uh, Scott Lapierre with uh, uh, Shale um, Specialist. Uh, uh, spe- boy, it was a education. That was part two. Uh, you have part one to cut up, and I mean, there is some great tidbits in this uh, two-part episode. No, it, it, that's a great interview, guys. Uh, but we all hope you have a great Labor Day weekend. We have a great show for you lined up here. Episode number forty-five. Currently, this show is a middle-aged person, which is nice. Oil's trading thirty-seven thirty-one. Woof, not good. Waking up. I mean, now it's currently nosedive. We're six and a half percent down, or about two dollars and fifty cents um, from the overnight. So, so we'll obviously, talk about that. Talk about some California black off stuff. Stu's got some stuff with international news. Yes, we'll look at the levels for crude oil of the week. I don't know. The levels are going to be wild this week. Um, and then we'll check in um, with the commitment to traders. But first, guys, this show is brought to us by the world's greatest website, oilandgas360.com, where you can stay updated on all of not just your energy finance news, but all of your just energy market news, guys. I highly recommend checking it out. Check out the 360 News Desk, which is a page that means to It's the place to go to find out all you need to know about energy equities, energy finance. We keep everything, all of these podcast our live show that we do every day which breaks down each individual trading session um every day we took yesterday off so i'm fired a lot to talk about on the day's show but we've we've, we've got charts we've got equity overview tables we've got so much stuff guys highly recommend checking all of that out there's also the podcast, the Energy 360 podcast, which is on Oil and Gas 360. That is a podcast that Stu runs. Speaking of Scott LaPierre and Shale Specialist, he's going to be on that one. What else do you have lined up on that podcast? Um, it's actually kind of cool. We have some experts in battery uh, recycling coming up on Wednesday. We have one of the main uh, folks for uh, LNG out of Europe. He is a spokesperson, and uh, it's going to be really interesting. Rudolph, uh, he is very active on LinkedIn. Really excited to uh, interview him as well, too. And we have the women in the energy kicking off. Yes. Uh, very excited uh, about the women in, in energy. Uh, we've got some other big names coming around the corner. No, you've got a lot of stuff lined up on that. Um, i got to be in the office tomorrow to get the first women in energy cut, so we're excited to announce whenever we can. We'll get that cut, then we we like to announce that way. Um, But, guys, you can check that out, Energy 360, wherever you get your podcast, Apple, iTunes, or YouTube. You should also just subscribe to this show, the world's greatest podcast. 360 Digital Closing Bell. You can find us on The Oil and Gas Show. We appreciate everybody who has listened to us on there. Don't worry, we haven't forgotten about you. We, we really appreciate everybody who has listened. You can email the show, mtannerentercominc.com. I answer all of your questions. I mean, it's sad, Stu. 37 bucks. We're talking a 30 handle coming into September because 
if you've been following the show, one of the things we've been bracing for, and I think the oil industry is bracing for, is September RBL redetermination. And that has a lot to do with what the current price of oil is. Right now, SEC strip is trade the SEC strip price, which is not what oil is currently trading, is like 50, 55 bucks, which is kind of funny to think about that you're setting loans based off 55 oil when I couldn't, you know, but whatever. Hey, it's how it works. It's how the industry's always worked. A lot of the times it helps. It, it, it helps banks because oil is generally above what, what, what the SEC strip pricing is because it's a lagging index. And so generally when it, prices go up, banks, you know, and so, and so that's, and the, but in this case, it's not. And every September, um, banks tend to do this not tend to they're required to they tend to go okay well we've given we've we've given you a credit we've given you rbl loan of 500 million dollars based upon 55 dollar oil well now oil is currently trading at 37 bucks you know my guess is those get moved down 10 dollars to 45 bucks i think that's what the the kind of the tranche is going to be because that's they're going to generally stick to sec pricing and sec pricing if you do the math It'll probably end up somewhere like 47, 45 bucks when you do the math because it's a six to 12 month rolling index of the lagging. So it's catching, hasn't quite caught this huge dip. I mean, it's going to be weird. Imagine if oil's a hundred bucks in December or imagine if oil's a hundred dollars in February, but SCC pricing's 30 bucks. It's going to be, it'll just be a pretty wild. It'll really kind of bring into light a lot of other issues with sort of the way this is, but it's the way the system works, so we're not going to try to dismantle the system on this show. Um, well, we've also never seen negative pricing before, so what the hell? Exactly. Now, do I do? I don't think that's really going to take into account because if you know the, the the contract that it rolled into ended at like seventeen bucks. So really, if you want to look at what the floor was, it's like seventeen bucks. That negative was a. You now we've been over this too many times. It's just structure of the way that financial contract was set. So. 37, you know, a 30 handle on oil is never good for an RBL redetermination because while they might use SEC pricing, they also just might get more strict. You might just see we're just not, you know, because you can do whatever you want as a bank. You're lending them money. I mean, you can really set whatever terms that you want. Now, there are specific terms in, you know, you talk to guys, you talk to our friends at Haynes and Boone, and they'll tell you there are standard contracts, but really, you could. I say these quotes cut for those on the podcast, customize them as much as your counterparty is willing to negotiate with you. That's, you know, anyone, anyone's willing to make a deal as long as you have a counterparty. So it's going to be very interesting. And I know for small stripper operators, this, this doesn't look good. I, I think who this, this, this hurts. I think specifically on these redeterminations, I, you know, I, I would call them the, the small operator, stripper operators, guys who are running maybe less than 75 wells on their own field, guys who are, a lot of it's just cash in versus cash out. Um, that's what they're spending. There's no, um, and then maybe they have a little bit of a loan on the side, but this is what these guys are going to hurt because their access to capital on a daily basis gets hurt. And that's really where, if you're a small operator, where the ARB, where loans come into handy. It's not, you can probably balance your books at the end of the month because that's generally when a lot of these marketing companies pay up. They run up a tap, boom, they pay up. But, well, you need cash to run your day-to-day operations. I just, you know, I'd highly recommend watching the movie Too Big to Fail. Whatever you think of the politics behind it, at one point the GM, uh, the or the the CEO of General Motors and or excuse me, General Electric had to call up the uh, federal, uh, call up the Treasury Secretary. He was like, Yo, what's going on here? I don't think I'm going to have cash to run my day-to-day operations. This is GE. 
So I mean, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So there, there's, there's the concept of at some point you just you need companies to be able to have cash to run day to the operations, pay their employees, so that whenever the invoices get paid or marketing companies pay, and that's where these loans come in, specifically for the smaller operators. They're not using these loans necessarily to expand. They're not using. They're not spending it on capex. They're spending it on opex and GNA. Whereas these bigger companies, when you get into like you know, you get into the independent shale, some of these public, they're using these loans on capital expenditures, which is where you drive up debt and where RBL returns really come into place. When we look at so so so, so that's where I think smaller operators are going to get hurt, especially with the thirty handle on oil right now. I mean, thirty seven bucks. I think the other I, I think the other people that are going to get hurt I, I think this is going to hurt there there's a subset of companies that are you know and I think we all know who they are they're on the brink of bankruptcy anyway <laughs> that this redetermination session doesn't help I mean you know we don't need to be calling out names quite yet because I still want to continue the research but I mean we can we can think we can all think of three or four companies that are already drawn on their RBL. So when this redetermination happens, they're going to be overdrawn, which doesn't necessarily shut you down. But now all of a sudden you're in a tight pickle here because the bank wants to figure, okay, you're, you're, you know, not only do you not have more money to use, you're now over. You're now having to figure out where do I come up with? And so do we see a lot of senior, you know, do we see a lot of senior note offerings? And this is where, you know, if you talk to the team over at Enercom, they might tell you this is where you could start seeing really, really good deals on an investor side. And, you know, if, if you're talking about a cheap time to buy oil and gas stocks, it's cheap now. Now, the question is, will they be cheaper in the future or more expensive? And I don't know. I don't know the answer to that question. I think a lot of it depends on what happens with the price of oil. And, and you know, we're in a seven-month global crude oil inventory build, Stu. And oh, yeah. that depresses prices. That, that it's just, it's the first thing they t- teach in Econ 101, when the supply goes up, price goes down. It, we're just in a global build, and we have been, and we probably will be through December. So I'll let you have it. I've been ranting for enough here. Well, I think it's going to be even more than that. Uh, you sit back and take a look at not only supply and demand, uh, it's... Um, you're going to see that uh, our uh, uh, no, uh, Noble and Chevron deal is the kickoff of the M&A season. Yep. And uh, it's also going to be a very large increase for royalty companies as well as um, some others. So there's going to be some good, uh, you know, take a look at uh, Liberty and Schlumberger. There is some fantastic ways to make money coming up. Oh, yeah. I think on, I think from a, you know, I think there are always going to be, and yeah, and, and I don't know what the future is, Stu. I think that's a good deal in, in the incident. If, if I had $100 million, am I pouring it all into energy? I don't know. That's, I don't know if I can say, that's something I can't say 100% because oil, EMP stocks move with the price of oil. Just, I mean, do that on your own terms. Go oil price, XOP contract. 20 years the same thing it's this basically the same thing and you can also break down crude inventory you can overlay global crude oil inventory stocks and overlay price of oil and it's inverse when we build price drops 
when we when we draw, price increases. Why? Well, the supply is changing, and so that does every so that changes the price. So this is not a good number to see thirty-seven thirty, and we continue to tumble. We're bouncing off thirty-seven oh six, which remember we had that line four months. This is where using a charting software for the same. And continue to use it. I mean, we've got a level of 3781 and a level of 3706. And it's playing off it very nicely. And we set that from what? Oh, like two months ago. I'll have to go back and look. But I just see in blue lines that I've drawn. So this is where having daily charts and keeping them updated comes into contact. Because when we go over the levels, we've already got them. But and my point is $37, it's... As we move into this redetermination... It's not going to impact it fully. I think it's going to move that SEC pricing down to like 45 bucks. But our friends at Netherlands Sioux will be able to answer that question better than I can. So talk to them. They'll know. That's their experts in that. I, this is, I'm doing, as I always say, this is nat- we do napkin math on this podcast. All math is done on napkins. Please throw them away. <laughs> exactly. So here we go. I guess... You know, that's really all I've got to, I, you know, do I think oil is going to continue to tumble? Oh, I mean, that's smarter people to ask you that question. Um, what I, but what I'm saying is it makes sense why it could continue to fall. There's, there's, there's a lot of bearish pressures on the price of oil right now. Rising global inventories. We're moving into winter, which is generally more of a natural gas season. Um, we have huge natural gas stocks and, you know, it'd be, it'd be very interesting. I, I think a lot of people, I, I think you saw a lot of people thought crude oil would be 55, 60 bucks come January. I don't know about that. Now it, all it takes is a, a vaccine and a global war and we have 95 bucks, $95 oil. And you've got 65 S SPACs coming out of nowhere trying to get in on oil and gas. So, uh, you know, I think from that vantage point, uh, miss that. We got to move on to ICE California and these blackouts. Stupid. I'm going to let you get one last word in here. What do you got for us? Well, on uh, what we were talking about, I think that uh, the just at it, let's say there's no disasters, no wars, no nothing. Um, there's too many experts out there, uh, saying that it's not going to recover, uh, up over the 40 to 50 range till the end of 2021. And I would almost agree with that. Uh, I don't have a crystal ball. There's a lot of other guys out there with a crystal ball saying it ain't going to recover until the last half of, uh, 2021. Yeah, and that's why I don't get paid the big bucks to make those decisions. That's why there are people at Rystad, S&P, those guys, they get paid the big bucks to make those calls. I don't. But I see a lot more bearish data than I do bullish data, and I wouldn't be shocked if... I mean, it's called a September swoon for a reason. I mean, it's, they literally call it a September swoon for a reason. So... um you know, I think the other thing that, that 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 came in that really this weekend news wise came heavily was these blackouts that are happening in California. And, and if first of all, we have anybody who's listening to the podcast that's in California, it's blackouts. Like that sucks. I'm sorry. Like it, it, we might laugh because it's California, and that's what you get. 
maybe, you know, but it does suck. And it's not a decision that the individual citizens made as individual. It's, I mean, this is politics at its finest. Stu, give us, I want give everybody an overview of kind of just what's going on before we kind of dive into the, the specifics. Well, a 50,000 foot overview is that California, a uh, little while, they've had a, uh, uh, Michael, I believe you looked it up before the show, and I think it's 30% ballparkish uh, percent of their energy is... 33%. 33% is uh, renewable energy. What happens when the wind goes down, the sun goes down, uh, you don't have um, power to back it up. So part of the problem is they've poorly designed the power distribution not the grid the grid they're blaming in grid management but it's actually the constant source of power you grids do not do well with uh influx uh, de, uh you know influx and de, deflux of power they just don't do well so uh california has been tearing down their natural gas their coal plants everything else uh, if they did it in a balanced power, they have one of their nuclear reactors that is good for, I believe, another five years. They're planning on shutting it off in 2021. Um, that's about the best, cleanest, uh, most cost affordable to the end user kilowatt per hour when it's mixed together. I'm not against um, uh, renewables. I am for the lowest kilowatt per hour in taking care of good stewards as our uh, for our uh, world and our and all that, but you can't be stupid about it. Um, you can you can discriminate based on stupidity, and that's exactly what's going on. <laughs> you can you can definitely discriminate um, upon that, and no, I mean I think it's. I mean, it's really sad. So you you mentioned something. Thirty three percent of electricity has to come from um, renewables. That's what they maintain. So to give you an idea, on September sixth, they had peak load generation forty four point five second gigawatts. This is gigawatts, guys. Gigawatts, so a thousand forty four thousand megawatts. You know, get you know watts. Yeah, this is gigawatts, baby. Woo! So, to give you an idea, 14.7 gigawatts you know, uh, is, has I to come only... from renewables. So, I mean, let's look at this. How much does a solar panel produce? Eh, about five. So, average solar panels, 300 watts, okay? Or 0.3 kilowatts or 0.00003 gigawatts. Oh, this should be good. So, now let's give you guys, or no, even worse than that, give you an idea. Here's my electrical bill. I pulled it up. In one month, here's what I'm using in Colorado, 526 kilowatts per hour. So that's my usage. That's my usage. So to give you an idea, that's like 6,000 solar panels running 24-7 just to get my house for a month. You can't do that. And now they're saying 33% of California needs to have... All of their generation needs to come from that. 14.7 per hour, baby. That's humming. And when, and as you mentioned this, when, when things get hotter, the wind dies down and the sun sets earlier. It's hilarious. People think that when it gets hotter, there's more solar available. Not really, actually. It's 
there's a sweet spot. And if you Google, there's like a sweet spot between like seven. I'm looking at it right. Now, there's a sweet spot between 75 degrees and 90 degrees where it's the best. When you get over 100 degrees, it almost is like burning. It just starts burning things. So it's, you know, we interviewed Alex Epstein on the podcast, uh, on the Energy 360 podcast. And he, you know, he has a great thread on it. I'd recommend going to energytalkingpoints.com to learn more about it. He's got a great thread. You know, really, he, he blames the, the mini, mini New Green Deal, which, I mean, we, that happened in California, which got him up to 33%. And, you know, and then his argument is expand this out. This is what a New Green Deal would look like for the entire country. And, yep. it, again, and he's right. it's probably why it's not going to happen because I, 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 I doubt anything similar to this passes because i think i think people just know about like I, th- I think california i think at least the politicians they're getting a class they're, they're getting a nice good lesson and sometimes we talk about this in economics all the time sometimes there's this there's this concept of learning by doing sometimes you just have to make the mistake and, oh well i guess we can't have all renewables it'll be very interesting to see how they pivot off of this um it's like having a child that keeps trying to stick their finger into the light socket. You just have to yeah. let them do it. After a we're, while. we're shutting this podcast down in three minutes to conserve electricity and solidarity <laughs> with our California brethren. Is that, is that, oh, is that legal? So, well, why don't you have a moment of silence like you normally do for folks that go bankrupt? I'm, it's not, uh, we don't, they're, well, they're not bankrupt yet. They're just without electricity. So I think we should just shut the lights off real quick. We should black out real quick in solidarity. Um, but I think with that, guys, it's time to go ahead and just move in um, to crude oil and the levels for the week. As always, this segment is sponsored by Sandstone Capital Group. These guys do great work. SandstoneCG.com, 949-561-1818. Call them. Tell them. The podcast sent you. They really appreciate it. As we've just been talking about for 20 minutes, oil's at a 30 handle, 37.24 to be exact. It's down about 6.5% based on the overnight open. I mean, in terms of the levels, like I said, I mean, you got to go back. I mean, to give you an idea, let's go back to the last time these levels. Last time we saw 37 bucks. keep rolling, was we're talking June 24th. Is when that level was hit, so now we're that's when we're moving back to that's what that's just give me that's we're moving back to June twenty fourth. These are levels from June twenty fourth, okay? So, I mean, really thirty seven eighty or thirty eight seventy two is a good level on the upside. You know, thirty seven eighty one, thirty seven oh six. I've you know, there's a level from June eighteenth, thirty five thirty five. I mean, really in between um, thirty seven oh six and thirty five thirty five. That's you know, I said it's a dollar forty swing. I don't know. It's, it's it's kind of a, a wet zone right there. Like I said, I'm a I'm on the bear side of everything though. So if you're gonna get in and trade this market, order flow, order flow, order flow, order flow, order flow. Do not be trading price action right now. You have no idea what's going on. Um, um because at this point you're you're just trying to ride waves. Um you know, inventories come out Wednesday, be interesting to see what happens. It's gonna have you know, I think it's going to have some 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 bill some draws just because we saw about a million barrels come off for the week. Um, we saw nine last, but remember we're in global crude oil builds. So the dem- whatever happens domestically, you know, on, on crude, you know, floating storage is starting to tick up a little bit. Um, I, I noticed on the on Bloomberg this morning. So, um, all signs point bearish, and and so if you're going to get in, and you know specifically for that, you know, EMP you know, contract, that's, it's, or, the, you know, the XOP contract, it's going to flip back, um, to the bear side, um, 
I think when we look at the commitment of traders, um, I don't I don't actually have it pulled up here, so I'm just gonna kill some time till we can. You know, hedge funds don't trade crude oil well. Just just remember that. Hedge funds and and to give you an idea, they sh- they're you know they they loaded. I mean, this is for last week. They're long. I mean, they and they're long always, but they're four hundred. They're 420,000 contracts versus 93 on the long versus short side. Um, they added uh, about 1,000 contracts on the long side um, and added some shorts. But when you talk about, when you see longs and shorts added in the same week, that means they're just setting up hedge positions. That means they're just layering their hedging positions. Swaps got out heavy on the short side, which makes sense. Why would you enter into a swap right now when it's so cheap to hedge crude oil right now? So no one, swap dealers saw a huge uh, drop in the short side. Wouldn't recommend that. Um, but guys, if you are interested in hedging, call Friends of Aegis Energy, please. They're going to get you into something that's really, really nice, help you out. On the oil and gas news side, Stu, what do you have on the international news desk for us? Well, we got a very busy uh, weekend, uh, and one of the stories was Tesla was announcing that they are opening a battery uh, recycle uh, for their cars in China, and that is got a lot of things to think about when you talk about uh, true power, uh, how you price this out. Think about it. Uh, the number that just kind of got me on this one is they're going to ship all these Tesla batteries over to China to either re- uh, rebuild, renew, or yep. uh, recycle. And so uh, Tesla produced 82,000 uh, vehicles in the fall. Um, and uh, the batteries... Oh, shoot. I had a number here. Uh, the the, the ba- number of lithium batteries is phenomenal. Yeah. Uh, I think it's great. Now, let's tie it back to our California discussion just a few minutes ago. Oil's They're at also- $36 right now. $36.98. Oh, sorry. I just... Uh, let's have a moment of silence for oil price. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, All right. We'll get over that. Um, continue. Sorry. Um. So when you take a look at the Tesla, there's like 40 different models of different electrical cars in in California. And those, uh, they're asking not to charge at night. So when you charge it, do you charge it when you go to work and there's no charging station and you can't get to work? Um, Anyway, Tesla, uh, you got to hand it to them. They're taking recharging in their own hand, but shipping all this stuff is going to use a lot of fossil fuels. So moving on from China and our stops around the world, uh, we're off to Canada. And Canada has got four LNG uh, manufacturing terminals, and they are looking at two more. They are, uh, the United States and Canada mm-hmm. are the two largest uh, LNG Uh, countries in the world right now that are building LNG. They believe in LNG. U.S. believes in LNG and the rest of the world cannot keep up with our uh, percentage that we're building. So we're now going back to the Mediterranean and this weekend, uh, hey, put your trade table up and don't get airsick on me here. Okay, Uh, strapping in. (laughs) uh, Chevron's purchase of Noble, we've really talked about that. Yep. Noble uh, is fantastic. 
just had an article put out by Joshua uh, Kernanza from Tel Aviv Notes. Outstanding summary on our uh, oil and gas 360. I highly recommend going through the entire uh, process, what it means. This is going to be kicking off LNG, but it's also showing uh, we got some turf wars going on between Turkey, Cyprus, Egypt, and uh, Israel. Israel's becoming a natural gas leader export. Um, it's a crazy situation over there, all about LNG. And rather than take up any more time, I highly recommend people read this article. Um, we are now going off to uh, the rest of the world. So we went from China to, uh, anyway, we're now on the rest of the world. Take a look at the super majors and the super majors are investing <laughs> billions between friends uh, on the uh, downstream plastics. Uh, plastic market yeah. is looking at still doubling. And so look at where the money flows. And that is the super majors are investing in plastics. So why is uh, that? Do you have any inclination why? Um, yes, the volume of plastics, uh, they are the green, and I agree with trying to get rid of single use plastics. However, uh, we're too lazy as a world to do that. So there's still money to be made in oil in plastics. And if you take a look at packaging, um, uh, 146 million metric tons per year is in packaging. So uh, China is putting out and saying all of their packaging has to be recyclable. Okay, I think that's fantastic. Um, and so building construction in uh, plastics is 65 metric tons per year. Uh, a lot of that a good chunk of that is wind farm material that is not recyclable. So uh, oil companies still can make a lot of money and they're morphing. They're morphing into yeah. uh, all these other ones. Uh, yeah. other, they can make money. It's still going to, Michael, it's still oil and gas. It's still fossil fuels. In fact, one of the articles that I uh, posted up this weekend was on the um, Canadian uh, thing. A lady says, hey, I'm here at this convention and I thought I was going to a green uh, discussion. It turns out to be, it was a natural gas discussion and she was all miffed in, in the interview. So people are talking about natural gas as green and they're all doing this slight hand of foot, you know, like a politician. Yeah, no, I, I mentioned that to my parents this week, and I was like, watch the sleight of hand that's going on. Just watch it. Um, um, and it's so crazy. Yeah, it is, it's crazy what's happening. I, yeah, I mean, you're, you're more well-versed in this stuff than you, so I'm going to go ahead and, uh, and, and lean on you. Um, in terms of U.S. Shale EMP news, man, it's Labor Day weekend. It was it, nothing, Stu. Nobody, I mean, I think there's at least one weekend nobody worked. All them execs were up at their Veil, veil retreats. Um, just trying to lay low. Absolutely. But Rystad put out a, uh, of course, Rystad put something out. Oh yeah. It's on our site. And, uh, they, they go through and take a look at the ducks 
and the duck impact into drilling into the shale. And we both know that the nationwide duck inventory reached a peak about 5,800 before the decline in July. And now you're seeing started from frack operations is just now starting to increase. And on their chart, um, it looks like the ducks have hit bottom for being shut in, which is great news. They're gonna start bringing those back online. Good report from Rystad. Yeah, and you know, I'm gonna, you know, I'll, I'll argue with them a little bit on the, the the importance of what ducks means to some of this production. I I think you're gonna see these ducks continue to stay there. I mean, it's only seventy. It's still, it, I think, fracking the cost of fr. I don't think you're gonna see a lot of these ducks just get pumped or, or get turned on as we think. I, okay, that's where I'm gonna split from the experts on this one. Okay, can I can I drive you nuts? Sure. What is our what is our favorite non gap uh, mean to everybody. It means you can hide stuff in yeah. it from an accounting perspective. Duck is the same thing. If it quacks, it's a duck. If it's a duck, you have different stages of duck. There's not a duck one, duck two, duck three. A duck means it could have been drilled 10 feet to hold the lease. It doesn't mean that it's ready to be turned back on. So I agree with you on this. There's no delineation between duckage. And this is the expense, ducking, and the expense that a drilled but uncompleted well. I mean, completion cost is 75% of your cost. So, great, you've done 25% of it, you know, and I always love, you know, we're going we're gonna to save drills and uncompleted for another, sort, for another podcast because we're already uh, 30 minutes in. I think that's everything, Stu. I mean, it's Labor Day weekend. Last thing you want to hear me and Stu is continue to go off about random stuff. Markets just opened here at 7.30. Um, everything's down. S&P's down about 70 points. NASDAQ's off highs, down about to 11. Uh, down, you know, Tech continues to sell off. Um, so check out, guys, the Oil & Gas 360 News Desk, all of your energy market finance stuff with that, guys. We're going to go home and let you get out of here. Get back to and start your day. Thank you for checking out the 360 Digital Closing Bell and the Oil & Gas Show on Apple iTunes. Spotify, YouTube, wherever you get your podcast, subscribe, subscribe, unsubscribe, resubscribe, do whatever makes the algorithms go nuts. Really appreciate it. We will see you guys this afternoon for the digital ticker.